This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. What's the game we wanted? It was the game we needed tonight. Um, Leipzig is a, can be a real monster. Uh, the way they play in the Bundesliga, they, they overrun teams. They are really physical. They're pretty much good in everything. And tonight we controlled them in a way... Um, in an exceptional way to win. So they, they had their moments, of course, because of the quality they have. But we had a, played a really good game. And so, yes, tonight, I think we got the, the result we deserved. So, fine. Tonight we were good. We were good. We deserved to win. We won the game so nice. It's only first leg. We know that all. I know that uh, a lot of people were waiting for us to, to slip again. Um, and tonight the boys didn't. And um, so I'm, I'm really happy. On the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Jurgen Klopp, a much happier Jurgen Klopp. Speaking after Liverpool 1-2-0 against Leipzig in the Champions League. Welcome to On The Ball with me, Ross. Uh, on a Friday evening, along with my very special guests, Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Nice to have Bob on. Uh, Gogolin joins us because it is the Midlands derby this weekend. All right, Gogs. Yeah, cheers, man. Good to have you back. And Des Corkill is here, Merseyside Derby, need I say more. Hello, Des. And I promise to be the voice of sanity. The voice <laughs> of sanity is here. Sorry, w- w- when's that ever, ever happened? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do tweet at BFM Radio. Also, find us all individually on Twitter. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Right then, we heard Jurgen Klopp, a much happier Jurgen Klopp, speaking after Liverpool's 2-0 win against Leipzig, a game played in Budapest because of COVID restrictions. Uh, Mo Salah and Saido Mane with the goals. It's a return to winning ways. It was uh, an impressive win as well, Bob. Much needed. Uh, yes, the result was much needed. Um, but as Klopp pointed out, um, they had played well before this game. They just hadn't got the results. They played well against Leicester for about 65 minutes or so until the um, implosion. Um, So there was something to be optimistic about, even though the results weren't coming. And this was more like it. I mean, Mane and Salah, you look at the score, this is... This is what we've been used to over the over the last two or three years, isn't it? Liverpool, comfortable away win in Europe, Mane and Salah scoring. Well, it wasn't quite as simple as that, but it was relatively routine, I think, as these games go. And it was encouraging. I'm not saying Liverpool are back at their best or anything like that, but they are very much thereabouts. And the main thing for them now is being in the Champions League next season, and having a good go at this season's trophy. And without an outstanding team, apart from Man City, I think we have to say in Europe this season, Man City are the outstanding team. Uh, even Bayern are not that great. You can't rule out Liverpool winning the Champions League again. So I think that would be, um, <laughs> you know, uh, something that Jurgen Klopp would be uh, going for as well, telling his players about, as well as a top four place in the league. I just want to point out Bob's actually a Nottingham Forest fan uh, at heart, all right? Uh, Bob, <laughs> Kylian, Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 hang on, we'll, we'll, we'll move on first. Um, there's major plus points, Kabak central defence, clean sheet for Alisson, he looked assured, he looked good. Um, normal service returning. Uh, so firstly, Bob said the unspeakable out loud. Don't say that, Bob. <laughs> Don't say that. Uh, uh, however, uh, he's, he's, he was also right on the money. Liverpool played very well, more than 65 minutes for 78 minutes until that silly free kick on the edge of the penalty area against Leicester. Despite all other circumstances, they played well against Manchester City. So the, 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 the form was uh, on the return. It was a dreadful couple of months that they had. Some uh, inexplicable home defeats, the, the Brighton and the Burnleys and, uh, and the, the way defeat at Southampton. Horrible results that have now left Liverpool sixth in the table. But this was more assured. It wasn't perfect. If that early goal hit, uh, doesn't hit the post, it goes in, completely changes everything. Alisson made a, a stupendous save early in the second half. It wasn't just the fact he made a block. He moved his arms to where the ball was going over him. It was a truly outstanding save um, and, and returned him back to 
uh, the top echelons of goalkeeping where, where he is, and he will be for a long, long time. So, yeah, it, uh, important for Liverpool. There's some encouraging news about her reinforcements. Naby Keita eventually will make his return in the next couple of weeks, and Jutta is on his way back, and so there might be a little bit of respite for the front three who seem to be playing just about every single game. And Kabak played very well. Yeah. Uh, Kabak was good. If Fabinho returns, it puts Jordan Henderson into midfield. And then you put those players in the right positions. And the current sixth position in the table does look um, uh, as though it could well be improved upon because we've had uh, some hugely difficult matches uh, in, in the recent past. And um, Liverpool must hope that they can kick on from here. But... Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it because I'm a Forest fan. Exactly. It's true, yeah, exactly. That, that was my uh, disclaimer in there, put in there for Bob. Um, <laughs> oh, all right, there was a rescheduled uh, EPL match and a big one as well because it meant that Man City uh, went to Merseyside, beat the blue half, and went 10 points clear at the top. Everton won, Man City 3 Gogs, this this sky blue machine, although they wore black, um, uh, <laughs> unstoppable. I mean, it's it's, yeah, I mean, it's Guardiola's it's, it's a, greatest triumph if it happens. It's a record of sorts right now. Ten consecutive consecutive games in the top flight. It's a it's a record, right? Non-stop yeah, start of a year, like yeah, 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 calendar. Yeah. But yeah, they they look unstoppable. But we've said that before about certain teams, and you know, it, uh, like you like Des was saying, when Liverpool's. Uh, players come back into their positions, which is the ever-disappearing midfield of Liverpool, uh, there, there will be uh, a change in uh, guard. I, I don't think uh, City are going to walk it, if that's what you're asking me. They are right on form right now. They're red hot right now, but they're red hot at the wrong time, if you ask me. They've still got the European uh, games to come. So, you know, there's going to be some shuffles, injuries, this, that. In my, in my uh, backing, I think uh, it's still all to play for. Yeah. So uh, for United fans, yeah, that's actually a, a window of chance here. That that's just crazy talk. Um, Guardiola, <laughs> Guardiola has mentioned um, uh, the importance of rotation. He is aware they've got what they've got a cup final coming up. They've got the Champions League. They've got the run in for the league. I think there's a Man United match as well looming. So a chance for them to to really put the foot down here for Everton. I mean, we don't want to make too much about what they're going into the Merseyside derby, the kind of form, but they clearly, clearly missed Dominic Calvert-Lewin up front, Bob. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, they miss him like Spurs miss Harry Kane, yeah. I think. It's, it's reached that point. But they didn't play that badly. No. Um, City were just uh, a, a different class, weren't they? And there's no shame in, in being a, a class or and a half below City at this point. Um, so they won't be panicking, but they have lost three in a row now. And you know how it is uh, with the headlines and supporters will also get a bit down if, if they lose to Liverpool. They're, they're arch rivals, of course. And they haven't won at Anfield for 22 years. So that doesn't all go too well but um in this game i i don't i don't think i mean city bossed the game obviously i had most possession as they do against anybody but uh everton of you could see the big improvements from uh last season and dukuri what a player what a powerhouse yeah. he is in midfield um i mean he managed to show that strength against city and even though he was supposed to be marking phil foden I mean, not an easy job at the best of time, but he stuck to the task pretty well. And uh, I mean, he's he's really the, one of their mainstays, a great signing by Carlo Ancelotti. So Everton, yeah, going through a little bit of a tricky patch, but um, certainly all is not lost. And I, I'd back them for a Europa League place at the end of the season. Ancelotti, after the match, said it's almost impossible to compete against Guardiola's Man City. Let's leave that at that and move on. Uh, your Europa League action, Real Sociedad nil, Man United 4. Game was played uh, in Italy. Um, Sociedad, no gimme, fifth in La Liga. Uh, I understand the heaviest defeat so far was a 2-0 reverse against Atletico Madrid, the leaders. Uh, but United, 4-0 winners there. Des, um, we saw lots of reunion of ex-EPL players like Adnan Yanusai, David Silva, Nacho Monreal, uh, Mikel. 
the Mikel from uh, Newcastle. Yeah, him. Uh, it, it was it was basically a, it, it was a, a glorified testimonial as far as Man United were concerned because they had all the serious players out there. It is a bit crazy. I understand the health risks, but uh, to actually play a home game in Italy and uh, uh, and, and the, these European games, it completely negates home advantage. But United have four away goals playing in a neutral venue. But United, very good, very good. Um, not a lot you can say about that. You just wish they'd turn... Well, you don't wish they'd turn it on, but you expect them to turn it on like this a little bit more often. You expect them to be a little bit more clinical. Um, what is coming to the fore? I was late to the party, but um, he, he's some player, isn't he? He's some player. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, Bruno, Bruno, I'm talking about. Yeah, he, yes, he, I'll, he, I'll, I was going... I was going to... <laughs> 30, <laughs> 33 goals in all competitions since he joined 12 months ago. Only, only four players, and they're all strikers in the other top five European leagues have scored more. That's just crazy figures. So United more than one foot into the next round then. I think it's the last 16 in, in the Europa League. You can say pretty much the same for Spurs. They went to Austria, beat Wolfsburger 4-1. And Gogs, we actually saw uh, Gareth Bale play and inform Gareth Bale play, assist and score. Yeah, no, I watched I watched the highlights of that one, and when I saw Bill's name pop up, I really had to watch the highlights. So yeah, I mean, it, like we've been saying for the past few weeks, he needs games to get really back into the thing. Players like this get games, and we have to see what is he's going to be his passion anymore. He's won the Champions League so many times. He's won the La Liga. He's won everything that is right now. He's got a good uh, bank balance and everything. What is he going to be inspiring him? The insp inspiration is going to come from him to prove himself. And you know that he needs games, and if he's not going to get games, and he's going to be getting uh, what uh, flack with the manager all the time, he's going to lose interest. So if you keep playing Gareth Bale, he's not going to be an overnight bad footballer. It's just that you got to fit him in right the right positions, play him in games, and you'll get a result out of Gareth Bale. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about Gareth Bale as we preview the EPL weekend later. Just to clear up the other Europa League scores, it was nil-nil between Slavia Prague and Leicester City. I understand uh, Madison and Vardy only played 60 minutes, so obviously well-managed there by Brendan Rodgers, Des Corkill. He's a, a very good coach. Uh, the games are coming thick and fast. Again, where were they playing? They were playing Leicester. Were in, in Prague. In, in Prague. Uh, what's that? Three hours on three hours on a plane. You're getting to the airport. It, uh, it all just impacts on your, your daily routine. So, yeah, uh, protect uh, as, as much as you can with so much uh, travel. If you're traveling a couple of hours on, on a bus, no big deal. If you're traveling four or five hours uh, on a bus onto a plane, then getting to a, a stadium and a hotel, yeah, I can see how it can be wearing on players, even though they earn a lot of money to do it, and it's five-star hotel stuff. But yeah, Brendan Rodgers done a good job. They've still got to win at home, yeah. wherever the home game is played, yeah. if uh, travel is allowed into Leicester. Um, but yeah, good job. Well done by most of the British teams, actually. They, yeah. they all did well in Europa. Yeah, only a negative point for Leicester is that Iniacho got himself yellow, so that rules him out of the next match. It was Benfica. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was Benfica 1, Arsenal 1, Bukayo Saka. We've been singing his praises, Bob Holmes. He was the man, pop up with a, a valuable away goal. Um, first, first leg was played in Rome, again, away from uh, Portugal, but understandably. Um, Good result for the Arsenal? Uh, yes, uh, they needed that goal. Um, it was one of those nights with Aubameyang misfiring, missed three uh, easy chances, one an absolute sitter. Um, you know, they could, have, they could have slipped and lost 1-0 or 2-0. It was that kind of night, shades of uh, Olympiacos, you know, uh, that that uh, infamous uh, defeat last year. Um, and the, um, the next leg, the home leg, is actually being played in Greece. Um, so they won't, they won't particularly fancy that. But they, they got a, a, a draw. They got a, a goal which will count double. Uh, if, if it's a nil-nil. Um, well, if it's, a, if it's a draw again. So that's a bit of an advantage. Uh, Saka, outstanding. Uh, definitely their player of the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, I think they could decide on that now. Um, <laughs> and with uh, Tierney coming back 
uh, meant that Saka was not mucked about and played at left back. So you saw the benefit of that um, running through the um, their defence. And uh, Odegaard also spraying some nice passes yeah. around yeah. and uh, looking l- looking promising. I mean, not not the world beater he was cracked up to be a few years ago, but looking decent and worth his place, definitely. Uh, Des just dying to say lots of really nice stuff about Martin Odegaard, aren't you, Des? No, I'm actually going <laughs> to defend Aubameyang, and I'm going to come to the goalkeeper's club here. So everyone's talking about the sitter that he missed. But look at the replays. Get yourself onto YouTube. Look at the replays. Look at the work of the goalkeeper. Look where his starting position is. Remember Banks' save against Brazil and how much Mm. ground Banks made up. Elton does that exactly against Aubameyang. So everyone's saying Aubameyang should should score. But Elton has really, really made... He's made eight feet up in the in the twinkling of an eye and Aubameyang's put the ball wide. Everyone talks about the miss. I talk about brilliance of the goalkeeper. All right. That's your midweek European action with a little sprinkling of EPL. We're going for our first break. Uh, when we return, we'll start previewing the weekend for you. Has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Des, Bob and Gogs joining me this Friday evening. Did I say it? Yes, it is Friday. I forget what day it is. We're, how long have we been in lockdown? Forever. 38 days. <laughs> it seems like three years, Gogs. Uh, it's match week 25 in the EPL. And there is a Friday night game. Wolves against Leeds should be tasty. But we're going to look at the early Saturday kickoff. Southampton in 13th. Taking on form side Chelsea. 4th. This is Saturday at 8.30. Chelsea are looking to make it six straight wins in all competitions, Gogolin. Uh, the Thomas Tuchel project starting to take effect. Um, all is going well. I think Thomas Tuchel project will one not a better side than Southampton actually to carry on their project right now. I mean, back just back in November they were top of the table, right? Southampton. Now look where they are, and uh, I think uh, back to Chelsea. Tuchel is doing a great job getting all these players back on side. If Werner is scoring, then you know he's doing something right, and I don't see uh, Hassan also getting anything out of this game or Southampton. To be fair. The Tuchel has, has shown them the belief that uh, you know this is the Chelsea side and the players that he has at his disposal. This is what I was saying about Frank Lampard early on in the show a few weeks back. And everybody said I was uh, talking nonsense. That Frank Lampard had all these players in his disposal and I, he still can't make them work. And look at what Tuchel comes in in a few games. It, it might be the new manager bounce, yes. But I think Tuchel will take this into a long-term project. If Chelsea allow him, that is. Well, I was just that, that's the little caveat you put in. Depend uh, asterisk Roman Abramovich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it's all going well. Four wins out of their last four league matches to move up to fourth. Des Colkill. Werner breaking his barren run as well. But the only criticism, and Craig actually mentioned that uh, a, a week or so ago, they are a little bit more dull to watch than the Frank Lampard Chelsea. Uh, yeah, a kind of apology to Gogs because I was one of those who were saying, yeah, Lampard should stay. Yes, he's got all these great players and Tuchel has come in and made an instantaneous difference. It still doesn't uh, take me away from the fact I don't think uh, sacking should be allowed in the middle of seasons, but that's a completely different ballgame. Um, you, you start solid stuff defensively. Chelsea, when they had their rich spell earlier on in the year under Frank Lampard, weren't conceding goals. As soon as um, the, the, the goalkeeper came in and uh, they, they, they had that new centre Central defensive partnership, they did well. They started conceding goals when they went through their barren spell. Now they're back to being miserly once again. But with their attacking, uh, their attacking talent, they will be in the top two. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Of all the rivals to Manchester City, and I, I don't think there are any rivals anymore, but Chelsea are by far on paper the strongest. And if they're not in the top three come the end of the season, Tuchel has done something really, really, really wrong. Yeah, okay. Um, bit about Southampton here. Uh, in early November, when they were top of the table, uh, Ralph Hassenhuttle said the players need to believe that anything is possible. 
cut forward <laughs> to, to time now. <laughs> six consecutive league defeats in there. Of course, a 9-0 tonking. There's some big, big losses, uh, Bob. I mean, I understand you're trying to turn the ship around, but this is actually the wrong opponent for Southampton, as Cogs mentioned. Uh, yeah, it is. I bet uh, Hassan Huttel regrets saying that now. Um, I think he was uh, uh, in the rarefied air of uh, being top of the league and he probably wasn't thinking straight, getting a bit carried away. Um, I mean, it's hard to believe that they were top, isn't it? One of nine teams that has been top this season. Um, that, that must be some sort of record. Uh, but I mean, he's yeah, this is a, a blip. Um, he's got to make sure it doesn't become anything more than that. I think he's um, he'll sort it out. Um, I mean, the 9-0 seems to have affected them more this time than the previous 9-0. If you remember, they bounced straight back from that yeah. and went on a winning run. Whereas this uh, coming the second time, maybe they're thinking, you know, uh, lightning uh, doesn't strike twice in the same place. But, you know, maybe there is something wrong. But... Um, They've had a few injuries and uh, there's a little bit of a problem with Danny Ings being unsettled, although his commitment on the field doesn't suggest that he is. But uh, having that in the dressing room, uh, I mean, he is their star player. Uh, I think they need to sort that out, but um, they'll they'll be all right. There's there's no way they're going to go down. But I think this is a little bit too much of a test for them. And I think the difference you see at looking at Chelsea you feel as if Tuchel knows what he's doing with these players. Yeah. Whereas when you watched Frank Lampard, you weren't quite sure. It looked like I mean, guesswork, didn't it? it? It did. I mean, both have shuffled. Both have given just about everybody a chance. But there seems more purpose to what Tuchel has done than what Lampard was doing. And I think that's inexperience. I mean, Tuchel is a vastly experienced manager, even though he's a foreigner coming into a new country and all that. It's still football. It's still, you know, he knows the game. He knows the game from a manager's standpoint rather more than Frank Lampard, who only had one season at Derby and then a season at Chelsea when he um, was given a free hit, as it were, with um, with the transfer embargo and, uh, and uh, bringing in young players. So, yeah, I think Frank is still an apprentice, whereas Tuchel is a, a proper manager. All right. Uh, everyone's in agreement. It would be a massive surprise if Southampton got away with anything from that match. It's the early kickoff on Saturday, 8.30pm. Southampton against Chelsea. Um, you've got the... It's a London derby. It's West Ham against Tottenham. Two sides. It's Sunday at 8pm. Two sides, Gogolin, brimming with attacking talent. Both sides, right? But... With both both sides, with managers who like their hands on the handbrake somewhat. <laughs> See, that, that's, that's, that was the thing, right? We're talking about two middle-aged managers who have so much attacking talent, but who are not adventurous. But I think these guys have actually come into their own in this season. I mean, David Moyes, who would have thought that he's above Liverpool right now, right? His, his team is above <laughs> Liverpool right now, right? That is the biggest uh, joke that is uh, going around in social media these days. But, you know, I'm saying that they have nothing to lose now. They have, they, they have uh, like, I'm talking about, of course, West Ham. Yeah. That, you know, he's already, sh- their, their KPIs have done. They, they can just play adventurous football. They, they've always, what, Europa League is now their biggest uh, thing. No, well, so yeah. What is there I for mean, them to lose? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they look four, like but... certainties for top half, which yeah. is amazing. For them, it's all about Mikhail Antonio. Will he be fit for the game? They, they apparently are keeping a close eye on him. But I want to talk a little bit about Tottenham. There's been a lot written about them this week. Rumours of dressing room unrest. Um, Des Corkill. So much uh, so. Okay, so, before, before I can just say, I was just going to jump in and say all that I think they're going to send because of a new season for Amazon Prime. Ah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that plug. How much are you getting for that? <laughs> That's the trailer, man. That's the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Son came out and actually said, no, all the players are behind the boss and all that. So you know something's going on, Des. Uh, listen, Gog's made a, a, a great point. West Ham got nothing to lose. Tottenham do have something to lose yeah. in this particular game. Uh, if they were to lose against West Ham, it makes their chances, even in Europa League, that much more difficult. Not impossible. They do have the players, and if Kane is even 80% fit and can play 
uh, the majority of games uh, between now and the rest of the season, they've got a chance. Uh, I don't believe the stuff I hear in the in the papers that you seem to adore, Ross Yusuf. You seem to live off the uh, <laughs> off these accusations because Jose Mourinho, for many many things, does have a wonderful reputation as being a terrific man manager in most circumstances. From some famous fallouts, but for the most part, he is he is renowned as a, a manager who players will play for. You can tell because they'll go against their natural uh, attacking instincts to defend or to, to play a certain way. Um, so, no, I, I don't believe it, but I do believe that this group of players uh, really should be higher up the table than they are. Saying that, I said uh, in the last week, I didn't understand uh, Mourinho's starting the 11 against uh, Manchester City. I thought it, was, um, I thought it wasn't defensive enough, uh, bizarrely. Too bad. Um, because... It was a little bit too gung-ho. Uh, it's difficult to get it right against Manchester City. But this one is, is huge. If they, they cannot afford to lose because that would leave them a long way behind. And you know what? Arsenal could leapfrog them. If, they, if, West, if um, West Ham beat Tottenham, Arsenal can go above Tottenham. And that would be a bigger <laughs> joke than Liverpool being below David Moyes. <laughs> we, we saw glimpses, Bob, of, of Gareth Bale. Uh, Gareth, Gareth Bale is actually one of the rumoured Rumoured bust ups in inverted commas. Don't uh, in believe the, it, in, in don't pre- believe it. Along with Serge Aurier, just want to need to get that in there. But we, we saw how useful Gareth Bale could be with a goal and an, an assist, Bob. Could he play a part in Spurs this season? Well, that's what they bought him for, isn't it? Exactly. Um, or brought him for, I should say. Um, I mean, we were talking, virtually writing his obituary last week, weren't we? Um, (laughs) Looked unhappy, um, supposedly injured, although big doubts about whether he was or not. The next thing you know, he's starting, he's scoring, and he's making assists. And you wonder what's happened in that week. It doesn't sound like a dressing room bust up to me. Or maybe, maybe it was, maybe he thrives on this sort of thing. Um, I mean, who knows? But um, he, he, looked, he looked happy enough, and every, all the reports are that he is happy there. He's happy to be back, I think, uh, in the UK, where people speak English and uh, <laughs> better Welsh. I mean, no one spoke to him in training. I mean, imagine that. You're there. You win four Champions League trophies, and no one talks to you in training. And he wasn't at Real Madrid, and he wasn't bothered enough to learn the language. He was ostracized, and he was partly to blame himself. So he was, he was really, there was a, a spring in his step when he first came back to Spurs. But he wasn't fit enough to play. It's a great pity. He wasn't match fit. And now he's, he's allegedly more fit but he still keeps getting these niggles. If he could only get a run of games, we'd see what the real Gareth Bale was about and whether he can ever get back to his best or, or somewhere near it. But there were hopeful signs last night. Yep. And that's, that's very encouraging. If we can keep that up and play, then Spurs have got a chance. All right. It's the early Sunday match. West Ham in fifth, Tottenham in ninth. We're going for another break. Stick with us. We've got the Midlands derby and the Merseyside derby next. We wondered if he'd make a difference. Tell you what, the pizza ball ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM. FM 89.9. Welcome back to the Friday show with me, Ross, along with Bob Holmes, Des Corkill, and Gogolin. As usual, you can tweet us, find us all individually, or tweet at BFM Radio. Also, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football. We have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram account as well. Right, on with Match Week 25, then uh, it's Derby weekend, don't you know? Uh, Midlands Derby is Aston Villa in eighth against third place Leicester City. Sunday, 10 p.m. kick off this one. Uh, our resident Villa fan, Gogolin, <laughs> is here. Gogs, I'm reading that Gabby Agbonlahor, who likes to say a thing or two, uh, is suggesting that Ross Barkley should be dropped because of a poor run of form. Uh, well, before I start the disclaimer, that so all you uh, fans are intending to put a punch or two, every time I'm on this show, Villa lose. All right, so remember that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Surprised no, you came on then, Cox. I know. I, I hope the things I do for Ross. <laughs> <laughs> My love for Ross is high bigger than Villa, apparently. So anyway, back to back to Barkley. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a legion of fans going on about. I think fans have forgotten how far how much we've come. That they all are whining about Barkley right now. I mean, he was a standout performer that against that Liverpool game, and now they're you know they are complaining about Barkley and being dropped. Yes, he's on a poor for run of form, but. I think uh, the, our new signing, Samson, is doing well, adjusting well. But I think Barkley still is not that bad that you need to drop him, if you ask me. But um, to be fair, this Midlands derby has come at a good time for Villa. We are arrested. I think Barry Cash yeah. is the only doubt, if I'm not mistaken. Well, we'll be looking forward to do a double on Leicester. This is, and Leicester, like uh, Des was saying, uh, didn't play that all that well against Liverpool. Liverpool actually shot themselves in the foot in the last few minutes to actually give it Leicester. And uh, from what I saw in that game, I think I would be a bit more... Uh, uh, positive from the Villa from Villa fans' point of view. Yeah, uh, Ma- Villa manager Smith said Matty Cash is out because he tried to do a Cruyff turn during <laughs> the Brighton game and injured himself. <laughs> yeah, another point I want to uh, make is the defense on how well we've done with the defense, especially with Emmy Martinez in goal, inspiring the boys and Mings and Konza and all that. And we're one of the top in the keeping clean sheets up there. So that is actually been a big uh, plus point for us, especially in you know, how we are well we've done this season. That the defense has kept so many clean sheets. Yeah, defenses aside, Bob Holmes, this is a, a football match pitching two sides with extremely talented midfields. The game will be won in midfield in this game. Which one do you fancy more? Uh, yes, um, I think Gareth Southgate may be in attendance uh, this watching watching them all. Um, but I've always said Grealish is is my favourite of these uh, young midfielders, and I think he's just got that um, something that extra quality. Uh, Madison is very good. I think these are the two we're talking about mainly. Um, Madison is a good. Uh, is a very good player, pops in a few goals, possibly, I think, ahead of Grealish. I think he scores one or two more than Grealish. But Grealish will give you something, um, not exactly in the Gascoigne class, but he has been mentioned as a... Can, can as I a, just pause you there, Bob, and ask, do you think Madison and Grealish would work together for England? Uh, I don't think you could have that luxury, no. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't think Gareth Southgate would, definitely no, not. No, he wouldn't, would and he? You've got, to, you've got to fit in Phil Foden as well there somewhere. Um, but uh, certainly not the three of them. So Grealish, the three central midfielders. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be worth watching, wouldn't it? it would yeah, I know, I just wanted to say. We'll be lead to the international stage. Yeah. Uh, Grealish, um, is it? I think an extraordinarily talented uh, player and um, he's capable of lifting a, a side like Villa to another level. And I think that's why I, I would prefer him over Madison. Um, but uh, Villa don't have a Vardy, do they? No. Um, that is Leicester's ace, I think. Um, the fact that he's still going strong at this great age uh, 33, I think pushing 34, had a hernia operation. I have to say he recovered rather quicker than I did when I had my hernia. Um, <laughs> but you're two years older than him, though. I, I, I just about, yeah. <laughs> um, so Leicester have got that firepower and, um, you know, they can't be dismissed. But up against this very solid Villa defence that yeah. we've been talking about, exceptional keeping in Martinez, except for the one game when he decided to make... Jesse Lingard's uh, debut, a happy one for West Ham. <laughs> but from that, he hasn't put a foot or a hand wrong. And I think he's actually better than Leno. <laughs> uh, I think a few Arsenal fans are, are also thinking that. So um, Villa, very good. I think, um, I think Villa could, could actually surprise Leicester here and uh, nick this one. All right. Well, Leicester City are great away from home this season. Only one defeat in their 12 Premier League away games. Aston Villa, eighth against Leicester City. Third is Sunday at 10 p.m. That's your Midlands derby. Fast forward to Sunday at 1.30 a.m. You've got your Merseyside derby. Sixth place Liverpool takes on seventh place Everton. Uh, It's the 289th time they're meeting uh, Des Corkill. 
Do you remember the all 288 matches? <laughs> <laughs> I remember more than 100 of them, which is, which is a bit scary. I'm, I'm sure you do. Listen, to, to, to those of us who are fortunate to be born in Liverpool, this is the game. Forget Man United, forget Manchester City, this is the game. And for 10 years, uh, Liverpool have had the whip hand over Everton. It's, you've got to go back to 2010, to the last time they won uh, in, the, in the league or an FA Cup against Liverpool. So forget not winning at Anfield. It's a case of they haven't won a derby for over a decade. And so we've just had this glorious, glorious um, time. The worry always is that, heck, heck, it's going to come to an end at some stage. You hope it's not this year. Um, the way Everton set up against Manchester City, well, a double-edged sword to it. Number one, I was really disappointed with them because I don't think, you know, my old bugbear, I don't think they tried to go and win the game. They tried to not lose the game and were outplayed. But teams who have tried to not win the games against Liverpool tend to have been the ones who've had the most success in the last couple of, uh, couple of months. So there's... Um, there's, 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 a, there's a double edge there. Does Carlo Ancelotti try to attack uh, what is not so much a weak link now if Fabinho is fit as we hear he will be and can become Liverpool's 14th central defensive partnership of the season alongside Kabak and release Henderson into midfield? That, does that change the equilibrium? Um, and the other thing on this is Liverpool are still smarting from the ridiculous offside goal uh, that, um, that, that they were denied in the, in the first game at Goodison. Plus the fact that Jordan Pickford uh, ended our championship challenge with uh, the maiming of um, <laughs> Virgil van Dijk. So there's a lot on this. So, um, and I think Liverpool will be motivated because they can't drop any further than six. If Everton equalise, uh, if Everton win, they go level on points and um, with a game in hand. So for, there's a lot riding on this for Liverpool. But I think that Leipzig results and the performances, not the results against Leicester and Manchester City, just turn it in our favour. Yeah, um, for Everton, Gogs, you, you, it's, I think it's fair to say they, they've blown hot more than cold this season. They've been, they've been pretty good under Ancelotti. With them, I Very guess, good. going into this one, it is all about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's missed the last two. They've rested him. He's recovering and all that. But it's imperative he comes back to, to, to spearhead that attack. Well, what's the status on his injuries? Because you're right, it's all about DCL being up there, leading the, leading the line. They reckon he's fit. They reckon yeah. he's fit. I haven't yeah. sold him for fantasy football. so does that give <laughs> Yeah, you? I think you should keep him because he's, yeah. he's going to be pumped up for this one. But uh, you're right, they've been blowing more hot than cold. And as an Everton fan, you could see the signs that this is a site that Ancelotti knows what he's doing with, people the previous sites. This is a work in progress also. So yes, they might not get anything out of this Liverpool uh, derby, this Merseyside derby. I would like to say that Liverpool are not also blowing very hot and cold right now. I mean, they're blowing more cold than hot, right? And this is a fixture that, you, like you said, everybody plays up for in, in Mersey. So even regardless, form is out the window. So you need your best players on the pitch. And if DCL is there, I think Everton will... I think this is going to be a draw, actually, if you ask me. Okay. Uh, Bob Holmes, Liverpool have... Well, can I ask, is the, does Everton still have the game in hand? I thought the game in hand was the City game, right? No, they still have a game in hand. No, still have they a game in hand. They had, yeah. two game, they had two games in hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. they still have one game in hand. Yeah, Bob, um, Liverpool have not lost four in a row since 2002. It's, it's unthinkable. Uh, and they, they're hitting form at the right time. There is this, this unbeaten run against uh, their Merseyside rivals. It all points to a home win. Uh, yeah, but um, a lot of unthinkable things have happened already <laughs> this season, haven't they? Um, it's a you know it's a weird weird old season, and, and there's probably more to come. Um, I think this uh, Calvert Lewin is uh, really key to this game, though. Yeah. Given Liverpool's central defensive situation, um, it will be a, a bonus if uh, Fabinho does play. And Henderson goes into midfield um, because Calvert-Lewin is is a real predator, and there's a lot more to his game than just goals. Obviously, he's a he's a physically imposing guy, and he's very quick, and he also brings yeah. other players into it. Um, he is the complete centre forward. I say centre forward in the old-fashioned sense. That is what he is, rather than just a striker or a poacher or whatever. Uh, he is a, like the classic old centre forward, and he's going to take some handling. So Liverpool need to be at their best, and they haven't been at central defence since the uh, Jordan Pickford 
uh, attack on uh, Virgil van Dyke. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I'm not saying he did it deliberately, but uh, seldom have you seen a season change in one incident that wasn't even punished. Um, that's the remarkable thing. I doesn't. I mean, it wouldn't make Liverpool fans feel any better about it if he was. But I think justice should be done. Not. I'm not saying they should do it now or anything. But it's incredible to think that's that, part of the offside uh, rule, isn't it? The flag not going up when it's a clear offside. They let play carry on. Play carry on. Yeah, yeah people yeah, can well, get injured. Yeah, right. I mean the whole thing. There was there was another incident in that game, which is another reason Liverpool will be up for this. Uh, Thiago was injured, and Richarlison was sent off for that foul, and Thiago missed about ten games after that. He'd only just signed. He'd only played a couple of half matches, and so we didn't see the best of him. Um, so really, uh, Everton did a job on Liverpool in that game. I'm not saying he did it deliberately. And there's been a lot worse in the past, but it was catastrophic for Liverpool and the whole season uh, swung on it. Okay, Uh, Everton themselves are looking to avoid three straight defeats. It's six versus seven. Liverpool versus Everton is Sunday at 1.30 a.m. We're off for our final break. Stick with us. Back with more after this. Lovely football. Speed of that passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Two goal lead, a picture of a goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Bob Goggs and Des here looking at Arsenal 10th against top of the table Man City. It's Apprentice versus Master. It's Monday at half past 12. Des Colkill, this one's got all the makings of the most open football match of the weekend. Not really. Arsenal, Arsenal don't play open football. Um, Manchester City do. Manchester City play lo- lovely stuff. Arsenal are improving. Uh, they have got an outside chance of Europa League. Um, so we'll, we'll maybe try to, uh, try to get something out of this. But I remember when lockdown first ended, the first match that was back was Man City versus Arsenal. And I remember saying, this is a test for Arteta. Can he, can he put it through? Early on in the season... Arsenal played Man City and I said, this is a test for Arteta. Has he got the building blocks there for Arsenal? We're still further on, a full season down the line. This is a test for Arteta. Is his team capable of taking on the likes of Pep Guardiola? And for all the good things that we see from Arsenal, for all the young players, I still don't know if we have the answer about Arsenal yet. I don't, I don't trust them to win big games. I don't trust them to really give Manchester City a game here. Cue big Arsenal win, of course. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, but, but you, you, you see where I'm coming from? I yeah. don't know whether Arteta has developed into a top-class manager yet. It's the Frank Lampard syndrome. Yeah. He's really, really a rookie in a, in a job that needs uh, somebody with, with massive experience. I mean, it's nice. They're good to watch. They've had some good results. They're improving but I don't see them getting anything out of Manchester City. Um, yeah, just to add to what, what Des was saying, uh, the bench for Man City against Everton in midweek was John Stones, <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne, Zinchenko, yeah. Fernandinho, <laughs> Ferran Torres, <laughs> Benjamin Mendy, Bob Holmes. We expect all of them to come back. Sergio Aguero is added to that as well. This is for their run-in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Pep... Uh, did have the decency to say that um, it was down to the finances that he's been able to build this fantastic team. Um, I mean, it's it's partly that and partly Pep's own brilliance. I think Pep does deserve a lot of credit because he's readjusted in in midstream, as it yeah. were. We thought he was just a, an attacking manager with... Uh, the likes of Messi and Xavi and Iniesta and then uh, David Silva, for example, at City. But without them, you know, he wasn't so good at picking defenders or organising defenders. But he's he's put all that to bed this season, hasn't he? He's finally got the right centre-back in Diaz. Um, a brilliant signing. Uh, he's been an absolute rock and he's, he's been the replacement for Vincent Company. Yeah. Uh, there was a two-year gap 
um, and they suffer during that. But he's brought the best out of John Stones as well. John Stones has resurrected his career and looking good again. Um, so, and, but Pepper's got to take a lot of cr credit for this, even though he was given the funds to keep going and buying 50 million pound centre backs every season and until he finally found one that worked. Um, and he's, you know, grateful enough to say that. Um, but he's the guy that has them on the field. He's got to make it work. So I think he's being a bit self-deprecating there by saying it's, it's just down to the money. He deserves an awful lot of credit. He hasn't got his Fernandinho, who we thought he, could, he couldn't do without. He hasn't got his Aguero, who we thought he couldn't do without. And yet they're looking better they're not quite as glittering, but they're looking more efficient and I think more capable of winning in Europe with playing like this than they have uh, in his reign so far. And this is probably the most efficient Pep team of all time, really. Yeah. In, in, you know, in terms of winning matches and grinding out results, maybe even better at that than Barcelona. Barcelona was was at its best. Was there's nobody can compare yeah. with that at their best. But this, in terms of winning matches in the league, this is probably his best. All right. Arsenal have lost their last seven Premier League games against City. Arsenal have failed to score in the last three home league matches against City, having lost the last three. Gogolin, if Arsenal are going to do it against Man City, who's going to be the guy? Which Arsenal oh, well. player do you think, or, or do, do they have the players who can upset City? Oh, of course, they have the players who can upset City. It's just like what Des was saying. Does Arteta know how to use those players? You know, they have players like Saka, Aubameyang, and all that up there. And these players, even with Diaz in imperious form this season, are going to give them a game. And uh, it's how we get at City. Do not let them play. City will have 80% of the possession. If we don't have the ball, what are you going to do? You're going to hit them on the counter. This is how you're going to be playing. And you've got to use the speed of Aubameyang. You've got to use the speed of Saka. All these players, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, you know, Cedric, these are players that have to really come out of the game when you don't have the ball and you watch them passing it in front of you for close to 80, 60 minutes. It's where you got to take a chance. And believe me, as a Galaxy player, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if Martin Odegaard is indeed going to step up, this is the primo opposition that he should be doing it against. It is a Monday, half past midnight game. Arsenal against Man City. Lots of big, big, big games happening this weekend. Um, Man United are at home to Newcastle, who are 17th. Newcastle, are they fighting relegation? I don't know. This one's a Monday, 3 a.m. kickoff. Um, a bit about Newcastle then, Des. What, what, I don't know. I mean, there is daylight between them and the bottom three. But if you're, if you're looking at Fulham, let's, let's face it, it's going to be them. If Fulham are going to catch anybody, it's going to be a Newcastle slide. Um, just thinking forward a little bit, what if United put nine past the Geordies this weekend? Unlikely. Um, you know yeah, what I mean? No, a, a big That's you wearing United shirt again. Um, so so um, Newcastle have got to forget about Fulham. They've got to just concentrate on their own game. What they've done in recent weeks is they've tried to, they've changed their 5-4-1 formation, which I'm delighted about. They're slightly more attacking and it's, uh, um, it's, they're playing three-ish up front. They've had injuries with Wilson, but they're trying to be a bit more aggressive. I understand there's a behind-the-scenes coaching change, which has influenced Steve Bruce to go away from that rigidly boring five at the back. It's all about Newcastle. And if they can create chances, the likes of Dwight Gale, is a good player. Uh, so Maxime will create chances if he's given enough of the ball, but he's got to be given the ball in the first place. Um, so them changing to, to four at the back helps them. And if they try to win games of football, I don't think they'll be in problems. If they just sit back and just try for a point here and a point there and nick a goal here, nick a goal there, then they're inviting a problem because Fulham will get wins. So Newcastle have got to get wins. However, their record at Old Trafford is pretty dire. I think uh, they've only ever won there One. eight times ever. Yeah, so um, so it's, it's, it's pretty dire. So they shouldn't expect too much here. But it's all up to Newcastle. That's yeah. who it is. It's yeah. not about Fulham. It's not about anybody else. It's all about Newcastle trying to win games. Um, looking back a little bit at the, the midweek Man United 4-0 win against Sociedad, there was this 
this uh, article about Dan James, Bob Holmes. He, they're saying Dan James is a bit of a bully. He made his debut in the 4-0 win against Chelsea. He scored in the 5-0 win against L, uh, Linz. Uh, 4-1 win against Istanbul. 6-2 win against Leeds. Uh, 9-0 destruction against Southampton. 4-0 against Sociedad. All those games he came on, did something. He's a flat-track bully. When when your opponent is beaten and bruised, bring on Dan James because he will run them mm. ragged. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, rather than talk about just Bruno Fernandes, I mean, there are other players. Marcus Rashford, for example, equally brilliant and frustrating in the same breath. Uh, more brilliant than frustrating, to be fair. Um, Marcus Rashford. Uh, James, yeah, you might have a point there. Flat track bully, which was a cricket expression, wasn't it? That's where <laughs> yeah. it started. Uh, transferred to football and other walks of life, I think. Um, yeah, he just happens to come on when they're winning three or four nil and uh, pops in another one because he's got pace. Um, I mean, the opponent's already beaten. And he's able to run at them and he, he can finish as well as we saw in midweek. But I thought um, actually the, the players we should be talking about are the defenders because they look shaky to me. I mean, I know they won 4-0 against Real, uh, Real Sociedad, but there were moments when Maguire and uh, Bailly looked, uh, looked quite loose, I thought, and they were lucky to keep a clean sheet. They still don't have a, a really, really solid central defence. I mean, they're OK. I've always said Maguire's about a £40 million player, not an £80 million player. So expectations were put on him that he, he cannot match. He's a, he's a decent centre-back. But for the levels that United aspire to, Champions League and winning it, of course, eventually again, um, I don't think he's quite up there. I don't think he's good enough. And they haven't found the right partner for him. I thought Baye might have been, but he's, he's very shaky. I think Twanzibi is worth another shot based on his performance against PSG, PSG. Yeah. which was probably the best performance by a United central defender for a long time. So, I, they've, I mean, the attack looks after itself with Bruno Fernandes orchestrating it. But the defence is still shaky. I don't think shaky enough for Steve Bruce to get very excited about, <laughs> but it, it's still shaky. Um, but you, they, they should, they'll take care of Newcastle. You might see Dan James coming on and scoring in the 97th exactly. minute again. Exactly. That's why I mentioned it. Um, yeah, I mean, shaky. And if you haven't got Callum Wilson, it's even more difficult for Newcastle United. It's a Monday 3 a.m. kickoff. There you have it. Those are your big games um, uh, this weekend. Uh, we'll put up the list of uh, Astro games for you on our Facebook page. But for now, I'm going to say thanks to Gogolin. Cheers, Ross. Cheers, boys. Thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. And thanks to Des Corkill without a rant on VAR this weekend. That's yeah. because there is only one game. That's the Merseyside Derby. That is the whole world. Enjoy your weekend and don't forget to catch us on Monday evening right here on BFM. Bye now. Some fiddle around the pitch, they think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On the Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. It's Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.